This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. And so what I'm going to teach tonight about how to be led by the Spirit of God, I know that some of you are in some choice decision-making times of life right now. And you love Jesus, and you don't want to make mistakes. You don't want to get knocked down and miss it, and all of a sudden go poor and broke again. Or have all kinds of confusion in your life. But you want to be able to make sure you're making right choices, whether it's about jobs, where to live, what to do in life. And so I want to show you, from the Word of God, some things that we live by. And I want to start off with, open up your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. And uh, I'll tell you some, some history about this verse. In my life, in times of knowing change is coming, the Lord always gives me this. And uh, Mrs. Pastor and I are in a seasonal change right now. I think most everybody here knows that. You've heard us talk about it. God's going to be having us go out to denominational churches and start preaching at some point in time. But you can't get out there ahead of God. You know, we got some people trying to get us motivated and moving going out there. Well, you know, I've been doing this for 41 and a half years, so I, I know how to follow him and not get in trouble. You know, a lot of times in your lives, if you're not mature enough to recognize the leadings of the Holy Spirit, you'll get the what, but you got to have the when. Just because you know what you're supposed to do, doesn't mean it's time to go do it yet. You've got to be able to follow him when it's time to go do it. And by seasonal change, uh, I want to tell you what I mean by that. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. And every natural thing there is, is in this realm. But they're just outward manifestations of what's in the spiritual realm. There's a spiritual and there's a natural. And just as there's natural seasons, you know, we don't see them so much here in the desert. But, you know, other parts of California and other parts of the country and the world, you know, you really do have a, have a real winter time. It really does get cold. I'm not talking about 20 degrees. I remember one time in Indiana, after we were pastored, it got to 40 below zero and stayed there for two weeks at 40 below zero. 40 below zero. That's winter time. <laughs> it stayed there. It was cold. And we had ice storms out there where the, where the telephone wires, now they're burying a lot of them and doing things different ways, but we had ice storms where the ice would get so heavy on our telephone wires, our electric wires, that they'd break off the telephone poles. It would be out of power, out of phone to everything till they'd come back and put new wires up. That was winter time. But then the season would change. We'd come into springtime and we had robins. Anybody here ever seen a robin know what a robin is? Well, that, 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 that's a, that's a bird out of the eastern part of the United States. A real pretty bird got an orange belly, got an orange breast. And when we see the robins start showing up, we know spring was coming. And then the flowers would start coming out everywhere. And you know, sometimes when I walk through my grass where I'm at right now, I have to stop and remember, tilt, 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 nobody watered grass out there. Grass just grew. And you had to pray for grass to stop growing when you had a couple acres, had to cut it twice a week or three times a week because grass just grew and it grew free because it rained all the time. And so then that would happen. Then we'd have the summer season and, you know, you'd whine because it got up to 70 degrees. You get upset if it ever hit a 90. If it hit a 90, 
They about called a national emergency out there because at 90 degrees, people got paralyzed. It was bad. That's a different season. Then fall would come. But in the spiritual realm in our lives, there's seasons that happen to you where all of a sudden it's the season. During the course of the year, there'll be a season where you'll have a supernatural hunger for spiritual things. Where all of a sudden, and when those seasons come in your spiritual life, you better be feasting on the Word of God, doing all you can, man, to get filled up, because you might come to a dry season. Where all of a sudden you think, man, I wish I'd, I wish I'd taken advantage of that last time. Now I'm so busy, so much going on. I don't have time to read my Bible now. And I don't have much time to pray. Well, you just come through your winter season where you had time to pray. Because in the winter season, you don't do as much farming if you're a farmer and you got time to do some other things. But then also in those seasons of life, in Mrs. Pastor and I, you know, I look at, I look at some of the young kids here. We were at that season one time, believe it or not. We were the little kids, didn't have much responsibility. Then we come to a season where we were young marrieds. They come to a season of middle age, and then come to the season, uh, Mrs. Pastor doesn't confess it, but we're old. And I think about Psalms, Psalms 25, King David said, I was young, now I'm old. <laughs> so I said, it's not wrong, it's not wrong to acknowledge where you are in life. We're, we're in an older season of life, <clears throat> but the seasonal change I'm talking about in our life is not a, is not a natural season, it's a spiritual season. We had a season when we were young and preparing for ministry. Then we had a season for a lot of years where we were the full-time heads over the ministry. We still are the heads over it here, but uh, we're, we're overseers more than doers now because we got the young people. My kids do it, and a lot of leaders do things here, but we oversee it. But we're to a season now of transitioning from pastors to traveling. But the thing is, we've got to know what to do to get there. And so some of you prayed about jobs, careers, Life changes you're making, maybe. You've got to know how to get there so you get there at the blessing of God. One thing I found out the hard way, by experience, it does not pay to get ahead of God. When you're walking with Jesus, when you're walking with Jesus, it's a whole lot better to have him walking right beside you with you or to be a little slow on following him so he's in front of you. But I found out one time in a major way well, I made a ministry choice that I got ahead of Jesus, so far ahead of him. I knew what he wanted to do, but I got out in front of him. He was back there, and I couldn't see him. And so I had to wait till he caught up with me so I could finish what he called me to do. And I can tell you, by that experience, I learned, I learned not only to know the what, but to know the when. And so you need to walk with Jesus to get the place he's telling you to go to, if you get ahead of him, there's a price to pay. And you don't want to have to pay that price. So Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 6. The Holy Spirit, every day for the past few months, every day when I go to pray and spend my time with him, writing my journal, every day, day all I hear in my spirit is Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. And so every day <clears throat> I go to Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Every day, every day, every day. I read lots of other Bible. I read faith books. I study sermon notes that, that I take notes when Pastor Dave preaches, Dr. Barclay, look at some of my own notes sometimes. But right now, for the season I'm in, the Lord gives me Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 every day. And it says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. All your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. 
That's, that's your thinking. That's your reasoning. Trying to figure things out. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. He shall direct thy paths. And so anyway, uh, this season we're, we pray in tongues a lot. Because when you're praying in tongues, that helps you be sensitive to the leadings of the Holy Spirit. But anyway, this was one of the first verses that I learned back in 1980 when I got born again about decisions then because I was brand new at this Christian faith. I didn't really know any Christians because I wasn't from a church family. All I knew was sinners. All I knew was my drinking buddies. All I knew was people I ran around and messed around with. So when I got born again, I went to church, but I had no fellowship. It's just me and Jesus. And he gave me these verses every day about my first steps as a Christian. And then where we are right now, that's, where, that's what he tells us. So I want to say this. I wrote this down. For you, learning how to live this way will be the difference between living by chance or living by real Bible faith. Living by chance or living by real Bible faith. You know, it's a shame... It's a shame for born-again Christians sit in a church like this or any good church that teaches the Bible and has the presence of the Holy Spirit to have to be confused about major decisions just take a chance. And, you, you, know, you know, a dumb thing, a dumb thing, baby Christians get by with what I'm going to say, but Christians that are growing can't. You can't just open up your Bible and say, well, that's God talking to me. You can't just do that. You can't just get by with respect to somebody else to prophesy to you, to tell you what to do. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your understanding. Try to figure it out. I think probably more spirit-filled Christians miss God because they're trying to figure it out and work it out instead of listening right down here what the Spirit of God said to do. It says, He will direct your paths. And that's not a natural thing. It's a spiritual thing. Because, you know, I know that one time when I was believing God for a job, couldn't get one, all of a sudden I had three good offers. Well, I can't draw straws and say, well, I'm going to short stick. That's what I'll take. You know, there's Christians live that way. Maybe not like that, but they just do things like that. Thinking whatever, whatever happens where it happens. Well, when you read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it says Satan's the god of this natural world. And so Satan could put decoys in front of you if you're going by natural things, just what you see. Well, Lord, if I get this phone call, then I'll know it's you. He doesn't say for his minutes are led by these natural things, led by the Spirit of God. Trust him for your heart, <clears throat> leading not to your own understanding. And so that's that's... Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, we're not supposed to live by chance. We're supposed to live by the Lord directing our paths. And then I want to show you the New Testament way of saying the same thing. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I ever... Look at Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at verse 14 and verse 16. But I don't know if I ever correlate these two verses like I did this week when, we was, when I was putting this sermon together. But Romans chapter 8, verse 14 and 16... Is clarifying Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, and, and this is actually uh, a parallel passage, but it's New Testament, and he helps us understand it better. Romans chapter 8, 
verse 14, says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And remember Proverbs 3 said, He'll direct your paths. Let me ask you something about this, about the Spirit of God. Where does the Spirit of God live at in you? Does He live in your head or does He live in your heart? So is He going to lead you from your head or is He going to lead you from your heart? He said, He said, trust Him with all your heart. And He'll direct your paths. So then here in Romans 8 14 says, The Spirit of God will lead you. Well, if He's a Spirit and He lives in your spirit, where's your leading going to come from? Amen. That's not a setup. It's just Bible. You can see it with your own eyes. It says, for men as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And then look at verse 16. The Spirit itself, or the Spirit himself, bears witness with our heads. Our, our spirit, our heart. Trust him with all your heart. He bears witness with your heart. He bears witness with your spirit that we are the children of God. And so... What he's saying here, you put this in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. You trust him with your heart and don't allow your understanding, that is your mind, to try to figure out how to follow God's plan for your life. You don't figure out how to follow the plan, you follow the plan. You know, I was talking to Jesse a while ago. Where's Jesse at? Oh, there you You lose so much weight, man. I can't always spot you anymore. Skinny man. <laughs> you're kind of you're kind of blended in, but uh, I was telling him a while ago that back in Indiana before we came to California, and if you don't live this way, your head will not understand it. But when you're led by your heart, not by your head, you know it. For one thing, back in 1992, 93, the Lord has our first church. I walked away from 23 years as a teamster, and I just about to seal up the whole pension. Walked away from the whole thing to be a full-time pastor. And man, you talk about, you know, by this time, of course, we're, we're in our forties and we're, 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 we're really been on our own so many years, but boy, I talk about parents and siblings thinking that I really went off the deep end this time. Well, when I was with them and we were all, uh, not nice people, drinkers and bad stuff, man, they really, really, really thought I was nuts when I started going to church and being a Christian. But then after I was a pastor for years and quit, after those years I became a pastor and walked away from that security of that pension and then come I had, they really knew I was nuts now. But I didn't lean to my understanding. I didn't do what natural man thought I should do. Well, go ahead and wait till you get seven more years you got that 30-year pension in and everything would be good. But there were people dying and going to hell in 1992 and people that were new Christians needed discipled, and people God wanted to raise up as Christians, they wouldn't have made it seven more years. And then God, God exceeding abundantly blessed my family financially as we began to pastor. Had some rough times, but we had to lay the pension aside. It had to do that. And so then we're going along good in life. Come 2005, hard times, look at the things going on. And for the last... The last uh, few years of the ministry in Indiana, because things every time financially, I went back to trucking. I was driving for a company. It wouldn't help my pension because it wasn't a union company. I was driving for them. And then it got so serious in the spirit, knowing God had things for me to do. But then I knew in my spirit, she knew in her spirit, I couldn't get there in a truck 
So I had to walk away from the income I was having as a truck driver and go back down to nothing again and believe in God to live by. And at that point in time, still had uh, Joe living with us, Annie living with us, and Pastor Dave was just about to get married. And I'm the supporter of the family. And my understanding says, no job, no money. Spirit of God said, no job, no ministry. So I had to walk away from that. And like I was telling Jesse, the boss I had that trucking company was a backslidden Baptist that went to Bible school, Bible school to be a pastor. And so when I come to that job, he wanted me around him all the time because of my anointing. He liked me being there to pray for him. He sent me to hospitals to pray for other truck drivers, people he knew. And I tried to quit three times in a year. Every time I quit, he cut my arms and gave me a raise. I said, man, I said, I said, I got to get back to the full-time ministry. Oh, uh, well, just, just, just give me 20 hours a week. I said, man, I, I can't. I got to get back to full-time ministry. Well, here, I'll pay you this and just, and you'll make what you make it. I'll just work 20 hours. And they got down 16 hours. Just give me 16 hours a week. As far as that third time I went into him, I said, man, I'm in trouble with God. But well, what are you going to do for money? I said, that's God's business. I said, my job's to follow. His job's to provide. And see, what I'm telling you is this. You cannot base your decisions of life upon what you see. you got to base it upon who you don't see that lives in you. And I just want to make sure that I don't get somebody in trouble. Don't quit your job. Don't walk away from your income. We, for what God called us to do, walk with Him for years because of our calling. Because of our calling, He led us in a very, very serious direction. And how many have ever read about when Jesus walked on the water and Peter said, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come out too. Well, He told us to start walking on water 37 years ago. And we've got so far out now, I don't know what solid land is. I'm serious. You know, when you walk away from a job and you got kids, you're walking on water. And it's a, it's a serious walk. But, you know, it's only if you know God, like we're talking about, but you know how to follow Him. And sometimes you make mistakes when you're doing it, <clears throat> but for sure, don't anybody quit their job, walk away from your income, because what I'm preaching tonight. The main thing I want to teach you tonight is how to know what God tells you to do and to be able to follow that. Because that's where the success is. And so anyway, anyway, you don't try to figure out in your head how to follow the plan of God. You know in your heart. And you start off this by baby steps. You know, when you first start doing things being led by the Spirit of God, man, you, he'll, he'll lead you to do some things that's not really going to cost you that much if you miss it. But if you get out there walking away from an income and you've got families and stuff to do, if you miss it there, it's big time. And you get in trouble. So anyway, here in Romans, Romans 8, he says he will lead you by his spirit. Now notice verse 16, bearing witness with our spirit. Bearing witness with your spirit, which direction to take and decisions you must make in life. <clears throat> he will bear witness with your spirit as you learn to acknowledge him and be led by him in who to marry. You know, when I, I got married the first time, I wasn't a Christian. She wasn't a Christian. So guess who our father was? The devil. I'll tell you what, he's not a very good dad. He's, he's even a worse father-in-law when you marry a child of the devil. And so our first one, my first one wasn't good because I didn't know how to be led by the Spirit of God. Who to marry? I knew how to be led by lust. 
as a young guy. I was led by stopped by Jesus. And it was bad. And so as Christians, here's what I'm teaching for you, for the young people in here that will be married someday, and for other people that maybe, you know, you're in between what to do about your mate situation, you're praying for one. When you learn to be led by the Spirit of God, He will bear witness to your spirit who to marry. You'll know it in your heart. And, you know, for the church thing, He's the one that knows who your pastor is. He's the one knows who your church family is, and he wants to lead you to where you go to church. He wants to lead you where to work at, what career you're supposed to be in. The Spirit of God wants to lead you in all the affairs of life. He wants to do that because he said, trust him with all your heart. Don't lead to your head. He'll direct your paths. He says right here, he'll lead you by his spirit and bear witness with your spirit. And so he wants to, he wants, he wants to show you where to live. You know, I praise God. He moved us to Newberry Springs now. I love Barstow, but I love the grass, the trees, the lake, and the orchard, and everything else better out there. But if I'd have got there ahead of God, I'd have been in trouble. Because it takes a lot to maintain a place like that. But I praise God that he led us there. But all that is, is reward for following him for years. You know, Mrs. Pastor, if you've been out there, she's got a, a great big sign she painted out there in front of our place there, got Mark 10, 29, and 30 on it. And Mark 10, 29, and 30 says, There's no man that left house, our brethren, our sister, our father, our mother, our children, our lands, for my sake in the Gospels, we receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brethren, children, etc., with persecution, the world come eternal life. We left mother and father. My dad and mom was in a nursing home dying when I came out here. I left two teenage kids out there. To be taken care of by other people because they didn't want to go. And I knew it would be bad to try to get them out here. So I left them with family and things. Take care of them. We left all those things for the Gospels. And so then God, in due season, blessed us with that place. But we didn't always have that place. We had to follow him to where we got to where he gave us that place. And blessed us with that. You see what I'm saying? It's knowing the timing, what he has. And believe me, when we lived at the snake house, we never saw this place with the orchard. We lived at a house one time. The Lord had us make a move, follow the plan of God for our life. We moved to a little place in north central Indiana. Oh, all I can call it's a snake house. It was really, really, really a poor house. The basement flooded, had water in it, and it had a fuse box. Dave, because you work on stuff and know stuff, you know, I tell her now, man, God blessed innocence. Had a fuse box on a, and the water was, water was a foot and a half, two feet deep in the basement, and there was dozens of snakes swimming in the water. And the guy told me when I, when I started renting that house, it's all we could afford, we didn't have anything. Rent that house, he said, if it blows a fuse, he said, he pointed down there, showed me where the fuse thing was on a board, the middle of the thing, on a, there, had these circuit breaker fuses, said just go down there and take that out and put another one in. I went down there through the snakes and the water, and I think about it now. How did I get by with that? It was it was faith in God and ignorance to take care of my family. That's all we had. And so I would go down there through the snakes, and I'd do the fuse, and get back upstairs, and our power would be back on. And then we had grass to cut, and when I'd cut the grass, there would be snake heads, snake tails, flying everywhere, because I went through that grass. That place was on a snake pit of some kind. 
But I'm just thinking about where we're living at now. People don't see those things. You know, you're following God. And you're doing your best to follow God. You're willing to go anywhere. That's always been my prayer. Lord, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I'll be anything you want me to be. Just use me. And so that, that was a training grounds for us. We got to that place in the state. And we started going door to door as soul winners. And there's a new Assemblies God church being pioneered up there. We hooked up with them. And so we was going out for Jesus in this door to door, but also had that literature tell about the new church in town. And we did that because we was there. And then God sent us down south later on, the other part of the state, pioneered our first church. But I'm just saying, when you're following God, you don't always have a lake and an orchard and a really nice place to go to. You follow God by the Spirit, but when you're willing to pay the price, you'll get to where God wants you to go. But it's not by the head, it's by it's being led by the Spirit of God. The snake house. Uh, Jesse, I want to tell you, you saw Big Blue. Big Blue was far better than Snake House. Yeah. And so anyway, the Spirit of God will lead you how to raise your children. How many really like the Spirit of God showing you how to raise your children? And also, He'll show you who the right friends are, who the wrong ones are, because do you know that the friends your children keep is going to determine a whole lot about their life? And so you need to know by the Holy Ghost how to pray friends in. You need to know by the Holy Ghost how to pray friends out. And, you know, I think about grandparents now. You know, we got a lot of grandparents in here. As grandparents, we need to know how to pray for our children to make right decisions concerning our grandchildren. Because I know that for us as parents, there's a lot of things we wish we'd have knew then that we know now. Amen? Don't clock out on me. <laughs> I said grandparents as well as parents. How many know, how many grandparents know, grandparents know you wish you'd have known then what you know now? And, you know, you know, I, I just keep thinking about the grandparents in here. And you, well, you, well, you young parents in here, you're at a Holy Ghost church teaches the word, so you're not like I was when I was a young heathen parent. That I knew so much more than my parents that I couldn't listen to them anyway. And so, for us grandparents, we know that sometimes when we see our children making decisions with our grandchildren, we don't agree with. We can't lord it over and tell them to go our way, but we got to pray. And when we pray effectively, then we can see our children. And by children, I'm talking about, you know, if you're 40 years old, you're a children. <laughs> Even if you're 50 years old where we are now, you're pretty childish. But, but what I'm saying is this. We can pray for the wisdom of God for our children to be able to know what to do with their children. And so he says that he will lead us by his spirit in the things we need to do. And so I want you to notice verse 14 again. He says, led by his spirit, not by your thoughts or feelings or what everyone else says. Or what everyone else says. Do you know that the majority of people in your life, Christians even, when they look at your life and you got to make spiritual decisions you have to live with, they're going to go by their reasoning, what they think's right. And what they think's right may have been right for them. But there's a good chance it won't be right for you. 
You're the one who has to make those choices. And verse 16 says that uh, you're not led by confirmation. Well, that's confirmation. But I'll tell you what, that gets overused. It says for me, you're led by the Spirit of God, not by confirmation from any others that you're doing right. You know, this confirmation, 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 that turns me off. If somebody gives you a word, then it should only confirm something you already know. See, confirmation in that context is right, but if you're making head decisions and people tell you what they think, well, that's not confirmation. That's making your emotions feel good. There's a difference. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, you know, we've got, we've got to get this as Christians. He said, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, not by what everybody else thinks you ought to do. Because matter of fact, Proverbs said there's a way that seems right to a man. But then there are ever the ways of death. And so you should know in your heart, because it says he bears witness with your spirit. Bears witness with your spirit. And so somebody somebody speaks to you something that they believe by the Spirit of God. If that doesn't bear witness right here where you know, man, that's right. I know that in my heart already. Thank you for telling me that. Then that's good. And so you've got to train yourself. Now listen to this. I want to, I want to save some people from shipwreck, from train wreck. From going down some bad roads to where your family goes poor or where you get in trouble, where you got so much strife in your home because you have no anointing because you miss God. I want to help, help you to see these things. You must train yourself how to know in your own born again spirit what's the right decision to make in the challenges of life. Knowing your own born again spirit. And you know, I think about, I think about spiritual things about people, especially the times we live in today, with so much social media and everything, you know, I, I always think about Jesus and what he went through at the end of his life. What did the majority of the crowd want to do with Jesus? They wanted to crucify him. Well, guess what? The majority's not always right. You know, the same people, it says that he healed the multitudes. He healed the blind, the lame, the deaf. He cast out devils, set people free. And then many of that same multitude turned on him at Calvary, and they said, crucify him. They forgot the blessing they got. He was a minister. Why, why is that? It wasn't social media. It was social goofballs back then that went by lots of other people stirring up that, that insurrection against Jesus. And so in your life, in your life, you might have a multitude of people try to tell you, oh, you're missing it, you're missing it, you're missing it. But if you're a person that's serious in your walk with God, you're walking with the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to show you some things. I'm going to show you how to how to keep that pipeline open. That even when people turn on you, if you know you're not living in sin, you're a person of prayer. You come to church regularly, sit under the corporate anointing. You're following Jesus the best you can, and you're making decisions in your heart that you know you've really sought God on. He's leading you in a direction. You're going to have to learn to follow your heart. That's where the blessing is. Amen. And so anyway, I'm going to show you how to train yourself so you'll know you're heading in the right direction, especially the major decisions of life. And myself personally, as a pastor, I learned years and years and years ago, I never tell people what decision to make when they come to me for counsel, ask me what to do. What I always do is what I'm doing right now. I teach them from the Word of God how to be led by the Spirit of God 
and make their own decisions, their own choices, because they're the one has to live with the choices they make. And then they can't blame me if they fall because I said, well, go ahead and marry that one. You know, they may look like a dumb butt, but if that's what you're going to do, go ahead and marry him. Or, well, you know what? Looks like a real winner, man. I think that'd be a good thing. I, th- I think you ought to marry this one. Or job changes. Well, you know what? I think you're right. I, th- I think that's the job you ought to take. Well, guess what? If that job turns out to not be good, or he or she turns out to be a dud, and you were led by me, well, guess who the fall guy is then? It's back on me. You put it on me. But if I teach you what I'm teaching, and you make a, a bad judgment, you know, you think you're being led something, and something falls apart, then you say, well, glory to God, I, I must have missed it somewhere. Let me find out what I did. I want to fine-tune this, so if I go down this road again, I won't fall in that same hole next time. I'll know what to do. And then every time you're going to be able to recognize red flags in your spirit that you overrode. You're going to see something that you knew that you're going to think, wow, I was going by my head and not by my heart, and that's why I got in trouble. But then at the same time, when you're being led by the Spirit of God, when you read the Gospels, it tells you about Jesus after he was baptized in the River Jordan. It says that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And so sometimes, sometimes God will allow you to go through some hard places, but he's right there with you to help develop your faith as you're seeking him and the Word of God what to do. And so if you're being led by the Spirit of God and you come to a hard place on the road, well, you know you're there with him. He's with you and you're going to come through it. But I'll tell you one thing I've learned too many times. When you're led by the flesh, led by the head, and you get in trouble, it's a whole lot harder to get out of it. Is this helping anybody? Are you getting a hold of this? Amen. Amen. I'll tell you what, to be led up to that. We were led, we were led by the Lord to go north to that place we lived at for a few years before we ended up going down to Pioneer, that church. I'm so glad he's with me in the snake house. Man, I can't believe one time that church we was going to wanted to have a camp out on my property because we had, we had about three acres there, I think. And I can't believe they put those little boys' tents up in that yard out there, those snakes were, and we camped out there. I didn't sleep outside with them. I slept in the house. But anyway, anyway, I just think about, you know, that we learned things up there. <laughs> wow. I didn't have all the kids I had later on in life. I just had, had three sons. <laughs> but it was something. So anyway, uh, I never tell people what to do. I show them how to know for themselves what to do. So we're going to look at John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. Where's my whistler at? Okay, and I don't want to call this next phase of the lesson how to cultivate your spirit to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. How to cultivate your spirit to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Now look at these verses closely because this is showing you how Jesus wants to lead you to help, help you make the right choices. John four twenty three and 24 says, But the hour cometh, and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. You know, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, said we're supposed to seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. It says right here, the Father seeketh something too. 
Did you ever think about that? He's looking for you. He's looking for people that will worship him in spirit and in truth. It says God is a spirit. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so you notice in both those verses there that Jesus says two times, worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For his ministers are led by the Spirit of God, because God is a spirit. It says his spirit, the Holy Spirit, God is a spirit, bears witness of our spirit that we're the children of God. And so when you worship him in spirit and in truth, this means worship him inward and outward. It says God's looking for people that not only worship them from their heart, but worship him and glorify him by their actions. He's looking for people who just don't talk a good talk, but they walk a good walk. And we're talking about being how to cultivate your spirit to be sensitive to him so you'll know the leadings of the Holy Spirit. And so what he's saying here is what's on the inside must, as a way of life, your lifestyle, show up on the outside. Show up on the outside in your actions and relationships with other people. And, you know, I think about me as, as a young Christian man. I worked on a truck dock. I was raised by sinners. All my friends were sinners. Aunts, uncles, everybody in my life was sinners. I didn't know any Christians. And I can tell you this, most young men, I could probably say all young men, that don't know God, I know that pornography stuff has really changed now because they really took it to a higher level. Back then, all we had was Playboy magazines and things like that with pictures that you shouldn't look at. But when I, when I go to the break room, the truck docks, the guys get out the dirty pictures. I become a Christian. I worship God as a worshiper. I didn't look at the pictures anymore. The guys would get out the pictures, do the stuff, do the talk and all that kind of stuff there. I was I didn't know nearly what I know now about Jesus, but I knew one thing. I knew that I had a wife. I had children. I'm a Christian now and I don't need to look at these other women. And you know, it wasn't something I was doing to prove these other people how religious I was, because I wasn't religious. I was a Christian. And so then when lots of things would happen around the center, guys, that I was raised that way in my own house, my dad and mom, everybody, that's how we were. Well, I was in the world now, but I wasn't of the world. And so the Father's looking for people that are worshiping in spirit and in truth. In other words, what's in here doesn't just come out in church, it comes out in your actions. You know, you automatically know, I don't do this anymore. When the conversation would come up, what to judge and criticize the company and the bosses, I didn't like a lot of things that went on around there either, but I was called to pray, not to say. All, by that, I'm talking about all the bad things going on. I wasn't supposed to join in, join in on the company gossip. I was a Christian. My outward action had to be different. I had to be what Pastor Dave talked about this morning, the forgiveness thing. Forgive, forgive, forgive. I had to forgive people on my job that wronged me. I had to forgive when people lied about me. And you have to know that you're working out in a secular world that's full of demons and things going on. Even as a Christian, people are going to lie about you and say things about you. But then you learn it's because of the Christ in you that gets rid of the offense right there. I mean, the things... I remember one time 
this, this was with just about the verge of going to the ministry. I remember I was delivering to this place in Castleton, Indiana. And man, I had this cussing woman in there. I didn't go to that place very often. I'd walk in, she'd use the four-letter words that we don't use, say things that we're not supposed to say. I'd walk into that place. I'd never like going to that place. Man, you walk in the door, the first thing the woman's doing is unloading on you, cussing and carrying on. All I ever did is just walk in there, mind my own business, man, where you want them as tile place, had a box of tiles. And I don't know what kind of that lady's crawl because I didn't do anything wrong. I go to call my boss by next call. I said, what'd you do to that lady? I said, what lady? He said, up there at the tile place. I said, I didn't do anything to her, man. I took her boxes and put them on the floor. She signed my freight bill and I left there. So she said, you was harassing her, giving her a hard time and trying to say things to her you shouldn't say. I said, I didn't say anything to her except have a good day. That's all I said. And well, my boss knew my character. He knew me. He said, that's what I figured. He said, I just want to tell you, watch that woman. Since she called in on you and said you said sexual things to her and stuff. I said, man, I didn't do anything. But I didn't take it personal because I recognized Satan. Do you remember the story of Joseph in the Bible? That Joseph got lied on by nasty women and things happened. So we as Christians have to recognize that we're going to worship God inward and outward. And Jesus already told us, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. So we as Christians, sometimes things are going to happen to us just because the devil's real. But the Holy Spirit's more real. He shows what to do to handle things. So anyway, we have to know that God said he's looking for people that will live for him, not only in church, but in their outward actions every day. And so what's on the inside has got to start showing up more on the outside to be able to cultivate your spirit so you'll be sister to the Holy Spirit. And uh, I, I want to look, as, as we're heading in the finish line, closer at probably the most important things we can do to keep our spirit sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Mark these verses down in case I don't get to them. Just mark these down. I know I'm going to look at least a couple passages here. Acts 23.1. Mark that down in your notes. Acts 24, 16. 24, 16. 1 Timothy 3, 9. And 1 Timothy 4, 2. 1 Timothy 3, 9. 1 Timothy 4, 2. And then 1 Peter 3, 16. And 1 Peter 3, 21. And this is probably the most important part of your Christian walk to do if you want to be able to have a clean line open with God. And by that, I'm thinking about, you know, I, I get that we get, we use that expression, you know, to have a, have your pipeline to heaven open. Well, think about a clog, you know, I know that for me, when I had that clogged artery three years ago, my blood wouldn't do what it was supposed to do because 99% of it was blocked from going to my what it was supposed to do. So they had to get rid of the clog so my blood could do its job. And so these things we're getting ready to look at, if you do these, if you got any clogs hindered you hear the Spirit of God, you get your line unplugged where you can hear good. And so I want to look at Acts 23.1. Keep it in mind, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't let your head get in the way. Man is led by the Spirit of God. You don't lean to your own understanding. Led by the Spirit of God, He bears with you for your spirit. 
you got to have a clean heart for that to happen. So in Acts 23.1, says, Paul, earnestly beholding the castle, said, Men and brethren, look at this. I have lived in all good conscience, all good conscience before God until this day. All good conscience before God until this day. Your conscience is the voice of your spirit. Your conscience is the voice of your spirit. That's where the Holy Spirit lives. That's where he leads, guides, instructs, and influences you. Is from your spirit. And, uh, you know, I'm not teaching on spirit, soul, and body, but you got three voices. Your conscience is the voice of your spirit. Your reasoning, your understanding, your mentality. Your mental things are the voice of your soul. Your emotions, that's the voice of your soul. And then your feelings, your flesh, your body talks to you. If you hurt yourself, you get pains going through your body, that's your body talking. That's a voice talking to you. If you're smelling something, your senses, that's your voice, that's your body talking to you. Your body talks to you. You see things, you feel things, you taste things. That's your body. But he says right here, he said, I've lived in all good conscience. And so your conscience is where the Holy Spirit is able to speak to you from your heart, to know things in your heart, (coughs) to keep a clean line there. And so I've lived in all good conscience. And jump over to chapter 24, verse 16. This is critical to cultivating your heart so you'll be able to make right decisions knowing The Holy Spirit's leading you. Chapter 24, verse 16. And herein do I exercise myself. Well, he's a spirit being. So he's not talking about doing mental exercises. He's not talking about doing physical exercises. He's talking about spiritual things. How do you exercise yourself, Paul? To have always a conscience void of offense toward God. And toward men. He said, I train my spirit to keep a clean conscience. Now listen to what I'm saying, because this is very, 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 very at the top of your list from hearing God in the major decisions of life you've got to make. If you want to be sensitive to the leadings of the Holy Spirit, you must discipline and train yourself to instantly obey the voice of your spirit. Instantly obey the voice of your spirit. I'm just thinking of an example I haven't thought of for years because we're not on tape and we're not on the internet and nobody can hear me what I'm going to say. Uh, my first marriage ended because my wife took off another guy I worked with. Matter of fact, when I married her, he was the man who took the pictures at her wedding. We used to do things together. Well, he and my wife took off together and left me and my kids and everything. And every day, I clocked in with this man at 8 o'clock. We clocked in together every day. I had a new car I was paying for, and my wife I was still married to drove up with him and kissed him goodbye in my car as my fellow workers watched. It was horrible, horrible bad. I had a travel trailer we bought. 
I've never told this story publicly before, but nothing's on tape, so I can talk about it now because nobody's listening. I had a travel trailer I bought, was paying for, and the judge let them have my travel trailer. And they'd go camping to the travel trailer I bought for us and did all those things. I want to say that to say this. I got born again, walking in the love of God, and after I'd been born again about a month, the Lord told me, we was out of the dock work and said, go up and hug him and tell him you love him and you forgive him. And I didn't do it. I got in my truck. How many knows how, what an 18-wheeler is? They're pretty big trucks. I was looking at one today while I was eating the jennies out the window. I thought, man, I used to drive those things every day. Well, I got in my truck and I was a new Christian and I was just learning about spiritually. I didn't know such a thing as conscious and all that stuff. All I knew is I, was, I had the love of God in me now. And I drove, and I got about a block up the road on the highway there. And I knew in my heart, i got to go back and hug this guy. And so I just locked my air brakes up. I made a big U-turn on the highway. And I come back, come back through the gate. I parked the truck there. I went up the steps of all the guys working. I walked up this guy. I looked him in the eye. And I hugged him. You think those people didn't know I was really nuts then? Because they knew. The guy The guy started carrying two guns because he thought I was going to kill him, but he took off my wife. And so this guy, I mean, there's really a scene around the dock there. People day by day didn't know what was going to happen there. The guy had a shoulder holster, a three fifty seven Magnum, and he had another gun in his boot because I wasn't a fighter, but what was going on was pretty serious. So everybody was watching us every day, what's going to happen. So when I got born again, and the Lord told me that, I went up there. And I hugged him. I looked him in the eye and said, I forgive you and I love you. I said, I'm a Christian now. And I said, you're forgiven. Everything's okay. And then later on, I started taking him to church with me. Got him born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. But what am I saying? I would never have told that story except to say this. I've learned to instantly obey my conscience. My conscience is my spirit influenced by the Holy Spirit speaking to me what to do. And because I was sensitive to the Holy Spirit, He's able to lead me more and more and more. There's been times, there's been times when my pocket was about empty of money and God said, give that $20 bill to them. Well, because I know Him now, I don't hesitate. I give that $20 bill to him. There's times where there's an offering going on and I want to give such amount the Lord said give something four or five times that amount. I just do it. Why do I do that? Because Paul said, I exercise myself. I exercise myself to always keep a good conscience with God and with man. And so, you know, I, I, I just... I don't like it sometimes when God has me tell personal stories like that because that's something I never talk about. But that happened that many years ago. And nobody needs to know about it. But the thing was, that's just an example of what I'm giving you. In your heart, in your heart, when you know in your heart there's something that God wants you to do, if you quit arguing with Him, just do it. Then when you come down and make that big decision, which job, it's going to be easy to hear Him. Lord, did we buy this house or not? It's going to be easy to hear him. Lord, 
this person looks like the right person. You want to be my life's partner. You're going to know it when those things happen. But you have to do what Paul said to exercise your spirit. Exercise your spirit to keep a clean conscience. And I'm going to show you the danger of not doing that. I'm going to use this next to be my last verse. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. I, I do pray that somebody in here is getting a hold of this to your heart about decisions you're making to train yourself to be able to do right. First Timothy 4.2 says, Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. If you don't consciously, if you don't consciously obey what your conscience tells you to do, your conscience will get seared. What does seared mean? Uh, I've used the example a lot of times because it's real to me. It's talking about a hot iron. Well, you know, if you get burned, you get a scab over there and stuff that, you know, you get, you get, your skin looks different now and you, you lose your sensitivity. Well, I know I've been working with hand tools before. And sometimes I've just, for whatever reason, not used gloves. And if you're out here in a place like we are, you start using a shovel or a post hole digger, you keep using it, use it, all of a sudden, man, you're like, whoa, man, I rubbed that raw. And then when it happens, you get a big callus. You things get calloused to where you don't feel things that part of your finger anymore because there's a big callus on it. You lost your sensitivity. Well, if you continually override your conscience, you'll lose your conviction. And especially it comes down to sin and wrongdoing. You know, something I like to say is this. When you were a baby Christian, you got saved. If something was wrong to watch, it's still wrong to watch. If something was wrong to say, it's still wrong to say. If something was wrong to do, it's still wrong to do. Conscience and guilt are a good thing. If you have got to the place in life where there's things that used to convict you don't convict you anymore, you've got a seared conscience in that area. And your conscience is the voice of your spirit. And so if you're wanting to wonder how come I don't know what to do, how come I'm not as sensitive as I used to be to the Holy Spirit, it might be a good thing to stop and check and see. Am I overriding my conscience? And you know, it could be such a simple thing as you got delivered a gossip years ago, but now when everybody's starting to talk about whatever they're talking about, and you're joining right in and hammering on other people and saying things you couldn't say, your conscience is getting seared if you can badmouth other people and not feel guilty about it or whatever it is. And so anyway, we as Christians, if we want to be sensitive to the Spirit of God, these other verses I had, I had written down there I gave you, they talk about a pure conscience and a good conscience. If you keep a good conscience and a clean conscience, that I can guarantee you based upon the Word of God, He said, He'll lead you by His Spirit, He'll bear witness of your Spirit, and He'll direct your path of your Spirit, and on the inside of you, when you're praying and making serious decisions, you're going to know right there, this is my church or not. You're going to know I'm supposed to take this job or not. You're going to know I'm supposed to go up to this person and hug them and forgive them 
or whatever you're supposed to do, you're going to know those things. And then when it comes down to things that are matters of life and death in your family and things, you're going to know in your heart, this is the direction we're supposed to take. We're going to make this decision, and God's going to direct you every time. And so anyway, I've told you what I know about being led by the Spirit of God. We're in a season right now where God's going to use us to do some new things we haven't done before. But you know what? We know how to be led by the Spirit of God. We're going to be at the right place at the right time because we're sons of God and we're led by the Spirit of God. He directs our paths and we're following them. Amen? And so for you, just take to heart the verses I showed you, the things I said. Start training yourself. Instantly obey the voice of your spirit and God's not going to lead you in the wrong direction. And every time, every time, you obey what's down there, even if it bothers your head, just do it, and you're going to be coming more and more sensitive to Him. Amen. Let's go. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org. 